This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the B-Sotted Pride of West London podcast. Yep, it's the pre-Sheffield United um, podcast. We've um, had an international break, so no, no Brentford last week. Um, I've got a little bit of a treat for you anyway. Um, so we're here in Twickenham. We come west again to one of our old haunts. We love it down here, the Prince Belusha in, on Twickenham Green. Uh, really nice pub, really friendly in here. They give us a nice little cubby hole. Um, it's a bit oldie-worldie in here. There's a typewriter, if anyone remembers what they are. There's a bit of rugby lots gump of, around. Lots of rugby. Yeah, it's a, it is a bit... You know, we say it a, a lot. It's a bit, football? Oh, there is a football in there. Yeah, there is a football in there. I think we're actually... We need to bring some souvenirs down here. Yes. We need to actually pimp up this room a bit, don't we? You know, which reminds me of a YouTube... For, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, no, no. Bill, 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 are you, Bill's not here to rein me back, but I've had hypnotherapy. Um, I've had, I've had counselling, cognitive something or other, and um, I'm, I'm able to self-help myself. And it, whenever I think of um, an ex-Chelsea player's mother, I, I am able to, to not talk about that. See, there you go. I've done it. Well done. I've done it. Yeah. Can I have a round of applause for me? Thank you very much. I am three weeks dry now of, um, of, of that behaviour. Anyway, so here we are, we're in the Prince Belusha, um, and I'm with three of, my, three of my best bees chums, Savvy B. Savvy, how the hell are you, old boy? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had a nice, well, what I thought was going to be a football-free weekend, um, but I've watched the two England games on the telly, and uh, yeah, that was uh, quite interesting. Um, there's this like little young lad that runs around really fast up front. He's quite good. Sterling, yeah, I quite like him. Yeah. Don't know that one. It's very good of you. He's obviously a bit festive, but not festive, but Eastery today. He's wearing, Sav's got his little Easter bonnet on, which he looks <laughs> very, very nice. It's better than his Elmer Fudd hat that he normally wears. And to, oh, yeah, oh, there he is. He has got it on, yeah. He, has got it on. he looks like that's Jeremy Corbyn hat. 
Um, to, to Sav's left is Mark Ristick, who's celebrating a significant birthday this week. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you very much, David. Yeah, uh, big milestone on Monday. I was 50. I don't know how, don't know why, but there it is. It is what it is. Made it eventually. Made it eventually, yeah. All the, all the bets were that you would have gone several years ago. But, um, <laughs> but at least you don't look your age. You look about 65. <laughs> Jimmy Mack, the one and only Jimmy Mack. How are you, mate? Yeah, doing well, mate, actually. Um, so on the... Been a, it's been an international break. And I've had a bit of an international break of my own. So this, this marked my return to Brentford after missing the last three games. It was a way of work. So I was over in Riga at like a conference, a work conference. And uh, it's, it's sort of a um, very international crowd there, right? So you're put in this place of people from all across the world, probably 100 countries or so represented. There's only a handful of English people there, so you're trying to find common ground with, with, with you know, the international community. And when people hear you're from England, one of the first things they'll do is say, oh, who do you support? What's your football team? And of course, they're expecting United, Chelsea, Arsenal. So when you tell them Brentford, there is a repeated blank look on faces <laughs> as to where does the follow-up question go. And I was hanging around with this American guy at a show quite a lot, and he heard, you know, he'd seen this performance quite a few times. Uh, you know, the old Brentford blank face thing. And he started comparing it to, uh, you know, the answer in Brentford to what's your football team question is similar to the, you know, how's your mum been question, only to find out she's dead. That was the comparison he gave. <laughs> so it's a real conversation killer, but uh, more on Regan Lane. It's good to be back, though. Good to be on, a, good to be on the pod again. And um, how is your mum, by the way? She's dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, and and and, and I'm, I'm Dave Lane, um, and I, I, I'm not going to put my foot in it at all tonight. Um, so I'm sorry about that, Jim. I'll give you, give, do my condolences to the yeah, yeah. to the family, etc. So yeah. So what we're going to do? Oh, shut that, shut that, shut that door. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy's gone. He's crying. Um, so what we're going to do um, before we move on? We've got we've got a kind of a, a fairly packed podcast tonight, considering there's precious little to talk about but we're going to have some fun anyway so we, we thought because there was no game last week we got a few of the characters together um, we, we met up and we, we just talked about some of the very some of the, the, the hot topics I'd say um, in and around Brentford this week enjoy this is the besotted beef you know being fried up itching Brewery, well, I mean, I mean, itching beards and everything like that. I've got no idea. You no, know, with my mud on my feet, and you know, not saying I'm growing a beard, but I might wear a beanie hat. You know, indeed, indeed. Hello, I can't can't say anything other than um, hello, um, hello. So yeah, it's looking really good for the um, indeed, indeed. Itching. Uh, that's a big question. Who knows? I honestly, don't know, but. At the end of the day, it's Brentford, isn't it? Yeah, they're rubbish. <laughs> and we don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Itching. I think, in a way, I suppose it was the, the dawning of realisation that, um, you know, became a reality for me today. It was a bit of a shame, really, because, um, you know what? If we didn't, if... Um, I, I don't know, really, though. Um, indeed, indeed. Um, you know, I think I think we've we've come. Um, hello, um, hello. Indeed, indeed. And there was a lot of hugging going on, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of hugging, a lot of hugging. I um, didn't hug you. No, no, no. But we can hug. That's cool. Yes. But uh, yeah, I thought that was weird. Itching.
So there you go, um, some in, insightful views there from, from a few Brentford fans. I, I hope you've all learned a fair bit from that. It's not often that we're lucky enough to, as I said before, to get that such insight and depth of kind of knowledge on, on this podcast. So yeah, I hope, and Sav, what, what did you think? Did you learn anything from that? Yeah, I thought Allard made a really, really good point. And uh, I know he's kind of said it before. But uh, I thought I thought he sort of said it really well this time, and really sort of summed it up perfectly. Yeah, kind of. Just I think he probably encapsulated a lot of what we all feel on on that subject. So yeah, um, Mark, what did what did you think? Did you you know did you enjoy that? Yeah, I was strangely taken aback by all the fantastic conclusions drawn by all the commentators on that one. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Yeah, and no, me too. Yeah, some you know just when you get that kind of well, I don't know it's, since Stephen Hawkins is gone to get that kind of just that like G. Four geniuses absolutely, together, yeah. I think we were just. Yeah. Well, I think we're blessed, yeah. really. Jim, Jim, there was something of a Stephen Hawking's voice box malfunction about the, the uh, about it actually, but um, yeah. I mean, mainly, I mean, I'm worried about Bill's hitching. He needs to get some. He needs to get some cream for that very quickly. I think it's something. It might be related to the Denmark hotel incident. <laughs> the Denmark hotel incident is uh, is uh, is. Uh, We'll come to that later, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so you know, as always, you know, you've you've heard the standard that we kind of aspire to here. If you've got, if you think that you can, you know, you can do better than that, or you can you can challenge that, you're always welcome to contribute to the podcast. Um, so now, really, you know, we're gonna. The, the only thing that's really kind of happened over the last weekend is the international international break. Um, so let's have a, let's have a little b-sided international roundup. So, international window. Um, quite a few Brentford players got called up. Um, some of them saw action, some of them didn't see action. Um, some ex-Brentford players also saw a bit of international time. Um, Scott Hogan, which I think uh, Mark's going to tell us about. Um, the one, the ex-Brentford player that I kind of, you know, has is, is, is been the, the most sort of uh, headline-making this week is um, James Tarkowski. Um, Brentford... Received five hundred thousand pounds as a as a windfall from Burnley. Thank you very much. Um, the, the gift, the gift that doesn't stop giving at Burnley. Cheers, Burnley. Short to Sean Dyche. To Sean Dyche. Cheers, 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 Burnley. And another half a million quid in the coffer. Um, hopefully, Tarky will get transferred in the summer for. 20, 30, 40 million, and we'll get another another massive windfall there too. But. Um, Tarkowski, he had an okay debut. He gave away a penalty towards the end, and uh, a lot of people saying he, he let his country down. But um, <laughs> the, 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 mo- the most important thing, the most important thing really, was the record. He, he took he took the record away from Gary Lineker. He, so James Tarkowski is now of all the internationals that have ever played for England, he's got the biggest ears by a circumference of more than three and a half inches more than Gary Lineker. So that is a record that I, I didn't see, I didn't think well, I would see broken in my lifetime. Um, and is there anyone else with bigger ears out there? Well, I mean, I'm just thinking more how, you know, how he'll look with that England cap on his head with those ears sticking out of the side of it. That's going to be a sight. Yeah, a bit of a freak. Yeah. I, 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 Mark? Short of the obvious Disney character, no, I can't think of anybody. Sav, someone who's got quite big ears themselves. Uh, you saying I've got big ears? <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> well, no, that was a, that was a lie. That was one of my one of my many lies that I, I like to tell on this podcast. But let's international roundup. I think we're gonna we're gonna go slightly left of field. We're gonna go to Iceland first, mate. Jimmy, tell tell us some tell us some Iceland stuff. Yeah, um, 
I'm going to cut short of the frozen food jokes. And um, so Iceland would have... Thank God. Thank, thank God for <laughs> yes, that. God. And uh, before you say mums... Mother, don't talk yeah. about mum going to Iceland, <laughs> all right? No, no mum's gone to Iceland jokes, because uh, you make me cry again. Oh, yeah, enough. No, yeah, 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 enough. But so, yeah, Iceland were... I think they were the, I think they are the smallest country ever to qualify for a World Cup, this one. They qualified for. So they played in the week. Um, in a week, maybe it was today, actually. But they beat... Lost to Peru. Three uh, ones, not great preparation. Um, but incidentally, I was over in, uh, you know, when I said earlier, when I was away, I ended up chatting quite at length to a guy from Iceland, worked for Iceland there, and, and he was the, the only person there who knew Brentford, and that's when the Iceland link came back to him for, you know, those, those years when we had, you know, Iceland seemed to be putting their players to us, Scott Scouts and Ingemarsson, Horidason, Skalarsson. Uh, to anyone else, but yes, he was like, oh yeah. So this this guy from Iceland, he's like, yeah, I know, I, know, I actually do know Brentford, you know, I know, uh, I know Ivor Ingemars, he's a friend of mine. He's he's come back to uh, come back to live in Iceland now with his family, and uh, he goes, uh, I'm going to do the impression now. He said, oh, as you know, uh, Oli Gotchkoksen. So yeah, yeah, great keeper. I, you know, good guy. Said, yeah, he's a good, very good friend of mine, Oli Gotchkoksen. Before he signed for Brentford, he he played for Hibernian. So yeah, that's right. Played in, played in Scotland for Hibernian. And uh, I'm going to cut the accent now, I'm just wasting time. <laughs> but he said that before he got the Brentford move, um, he was, you know, hot property, hot prospects on the uh, world scene. And Atletico Madrid wanted him. And this, uh, they were genuinely in for him. They lined up a trial and they flew someone to Hibernian to do the character assessment, like, I suppose, I suppose a job interview. And he, and he got scouts and didn't turn up for it because, uh, you know... There was a lot of personal demons going on for that fella, apparently, for a few years, which he, which he muddled through. And he missed his, missed his big opportunity to go to Atletico Madrid. He ended up at Brentford. And I, I, you guys might correct me here, but I, I seem to remember he had a really couple of good years, and then he, then he collapsed. Not collapsed, literally. But like... Uh, oh, he was a goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean... Um, oh, yeah, I was going to make a bad joke there. Not going, not again. But yeah, there was a... Um, yeah, like his, his form really tailed off. And I think that was... Uh, yeah, there's a lot going to be behind the scenes of Oli, apparently. But, um, yeah, I always keep an eye on Iceland. Not great prep for the World Cup, but I'm sure given a chance, they'll put England out again. So, uh, something to look forward to. Um, yeah, well, talking about Oli, I, I, I do think it was demons. I think it, it continued. I, I, I don't think... He, I think it might have been prison involved after, after he retired, but um, let's not go along those lines. Um, the Ristic... Um, your your speciality speciality subject this week is <laughs> is Ireland. Your starter for ten. Tell tell us. Ah, uh, but Jesus, we'll leave those st- st- stereotypes aside here yeah, because I can't do them as well as Jimmy. Or a must. <laughs> no, right. must I'd, okay. I'd, I'd fail miserably, but I caught up with the highlights of the Ireland game, and, and I'll refer this one back to uh, something we sort of talked back to about earlier. Some of the uh, Brentford players called up for this, and uh, it was good to see um, Scotty Hogan getting a run out. I know we've had views about Scott before, but you know, with his with his time at Villa now and doing what he does there, Villa certainly turned their season around. Good to see him have the international call up with that. Um, but they're partnering up there with Sean Maguire, who I think from Preston North End, a striker running sort of two strikers there. But unfortunately, they. Um, How much are they paying us? Home getting attached to That's a good point. We, well, I'm not going to jump on the talking bandwagon there yet. But, but admittedly, you never know. That might have been something to, was, to yeah. discover yet that we don't know about. That's a very good point. That's on the. God, are we thinking of the Tarkowski scandal here? What, what, what's, what, what are you suggesting? Tarkowski. I'll let that when it comes around to Dave to talk about no, I, I um, think, the England game. But. I, think, I think the problem we had is that we, we thought that Scott Hogan was going to play for England. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, so right. we would have got a fortune if he played for England. Mm. It's a very good point, Sav. A very good point. But back to Ireland. <laughs> 
but no, the, the game was. Um, I only saw the highlights on this one, but uh, it, it wasn't the most spectacular game. Turk, he looked tight and solid. Um, but the reality was, uh, one other name that stood out that's good to see on the bench that came on for about the last 10 minutes was Alan Judge. And that's something we might talk about later. But um, great to see him get a call up, even though he's only coming on for us as a. Super subs probably a bit hard, but it does come on with a bit of pace towards the end of a game to inject something if we need it. Um, but they might have used him in that same role in Ireland, but they couldn't turn the deficit around. They lost 1-0 on, on the friendly, but it is only a friendly. So John Egan was supposed to feature in that game. John Egan didn't... No, I don't, I don't see him on the team list, and I don't recall no, him seeing there, but it was, it was touted yeah, to do it. I don't think he travelled, yeah, no. from what I can see, not from the information I had and could see as well. But uh, you never know, could be one for the future. You know, just on the Alan Judge thing as well, um, he, he posted a um, picture on Instagram... Um, there's a picture of him in the island shirt and it just said at the bottom it's all been worth it and you know how close he was to getting in that squad yes, Jim, before he got the leg break yeah. and it's been two years going through you know in all seriousness fair play to the fellas worked really hard at that and he, he you know he fully deserves it he should have probably gotten the uh, you know he probably should have got a chance back then but yeah good luck yeah spot on um, Sav what's your, what's your speciality subject mate uh, well I'm, I'm, I'm going southern hemisphere uh, I'm going to South Africa, and uh, the general, who, as we know, generally plays well. Uh, he's uh, thanks, Lou. <laughs> uh, he's uh, he he played in a tournament actually. So there was actually uh, some some silverware at the end of it, and it was uh, I think it was an eight-team tournament. So he, he was uh, he was playing for South Africa, obviously, eight-team tournament, and he played in the quarterfinal, uh, missed out the semi-final, and then played again in the final. And uh, they, uh, South Africa won. So he's actually won some silverware. And there was a lovely quote uh, from, um, from his manager, or his head coach, Dean Smith, today, uh, who was sort of commenting on all the players that went out and sort of judging and stuff. He says... There were so many. Uh, and, so many. Yeah, there were so many. And uh, he actually said, uh, uh, yes, Camo's come back uh, with uh, silverware. Um, I don't know what the cup is, but he's come back with the cup. <laughs> so, so I thought that was quite good, because it's some... Um, one of these silly friendly cups but uh, fantastic stuff you know do South you know, Africa do you know who the other teams were? I haven't got a clue no I have no idea what the other teams were but uh, but I know that he played in two of them and uh, quitted himself very well how do you get how do you get an 18 tournament in, in an international break was that was that like played at goals in Johannesburg or something yeah. <laughs> probably on some 3G 3G pitch somewhere yeah. <laughs> but, no, but you know it's, it's great to see so many Brentford players um, of all age groups that have been called up to, to, to various international tournaments um, do we think you know James Tarkowski you know I, I think Billy went to the game last night he, he's not here this week so you know he, he saw the game live but do you think Tarki did enough to, to, to get to get on a plane to, to Russia, if we, go, if we do go to Russia? Um, well, I thought we had a, a decent game, actually. I mean, John Stones had a bit of a mare, and, you know, Stones is worth 50 million, and next to him, I thought Tarkowski looked like the better player. You know, he looked very confident, he looked solid on the ball, you know, and he was, uh, you know, a few chances to score from corners and that. You know, it's, it's unfortunate he uh, gave the penalty away, but... Um, you know, unless he goes on strike for England, so I think he's got a good chance. <laughs> I think that's that's important to remember as well, or, or something else is important to remember. You know, he, he tarnished his reputation with the Brentford fans because of what happened. You know, you know before that Burnley televised tarnished game, Tarkey. tarnished Tarkey. But without Brentford, 
he wouldn't be where he is today. So, you know, we, we should be kind of rightfully proud of the fact that being at Brentford hasn't really affected, you know, it's actually, it's actually helped him. You know, it, it, Burnley saw what a great player he was or what, a, what an important player he was. And, you know, he's, he's played for England because of his time at Brentford. Well, I think for, uh, for a debut against very good opponents, I think he acquitted himself really well. But I think, uh, and, you know, he, he showed some skills. You know, the, the commentators were purring over things that, you know, all of our centre-halves do day in, day out. We play lovely balls up, you know, we're comfortable on the ball, cross-field passes. We do it all the time. So, you know, there's, there's nothing special. But, you know, with a name like Tarkowski, he has to go to, to Russia. I mean, he's, 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 he's our mould, isn't he? You know, ideal. He's yeah. a spy. Oh, no, a Russian spy. Yeah. Uh, yes, well, we won't, we'll, I think we'll avoid the Russian poisoning jokes, but Agent Tarkowski, uh, Asian Tarkowski oh, yeah. Love yeah. Agent Tarkowski. Oh, sorry. So there you have your international roundup. We're going to actually, we, that leads us on to... It's a, a kind of, it's a subject. We'll, we'll, we'll come back after this twang. We're going to talk a little bit more about Alan Judge. Alan Judge, what a player, um, as Jimmy alluded to just before the twang, um, he said it's, it's all been worth it, I'm, I'm sure the pain that he's been through and, and the, the hard miles that he's had to do to, to get back to fitness, um, I know Brentford have given him some of the space age technology and recuperation um, that's, that's available and he's, done, he's flown around the world, he's spent a lot of time in the States. Um, zero gravity and getting, getting sort of making sure that his muscles weren't wasted and he was able to come back after what was, you know, a, a, more than a career threatening break. It was, you know, 15 years ago it probably would have ended anyone's career. For him to pull on a, the shirt again for Ireland must have been a very emotional moment for him. Putting our Brentford hats back on after, after that, where, where do you think, Alan, the, what's, what's the kind of the the, the strategy now for Alan Judge, Sav? Uh, well, I, well, I'm actually struggling to find a place for him in the team. I remember that before he got injured, um, he was kind of taking over the side. He was trying to do everything. And we, were play, we would, made that mistake of playing to one man's strengths, which I think we did with uh, Scott Hogan as well at times. We were just relying on the one person. And I think we've moved on from that. And I think, I think Judgey finds it... He's going to find it difficult to get back into our team because we're more of a team now than we were then. Uh, he's still, a, you know, clearly, you know, got a lot to offer. He's a really great player, but I'm, I'm struggling to find him a place in the Brentford team, let alone any other team. So I think we might be better off because there's a year to run after the end of this season. That we might be better off trying to find um, some monies for him, just to, to let him go somewhere so he can carry on his career, find a new lease of life somewhere else. Um, sad to say, because he's been a great servant, and I think we've been good to him, so I don't think he can complain. But I think we've got to look at players like Marcondes and McLeod, who are in those kind of positions on the field. And, you know, there's still obviously Sawyers as well, who's my number one. But, um, yeah, I think maybe it's just... But, you know, do, do, we, do we put him in the shop window? Do we play him uh, a lot, give him a lot of game time to the end of the season to try and find somewhere for him to go? Or do we just... Just say, you know, give him the, the time that we're willing to give him on the pitch and uh, just say to others, you know, come in if, with an offer. 
you know, you see, it does seem a little bit disrespectful to, on, on some levels to be talking about this kind of openly. But, I mean, you know, this is what this podcast is about. There's no point in sort of, you know, fannying around the issue. You know, he's, he's come back from fitness. He would have probably gone before he got injured. Um, Brentford do need to recoup some money on him. Alan Judge, I'm sure, would like to go and earn quadruple what Brentford are paying him somewhere else for two or three years, four, five, six years, however long his, the rest of his career is going to be. Um, but going back into that international environment, it's got to do his confidence some good. It's also got to do his value some good. Oh, there's no doubt about that at all, Dave. I mean, a, a good example was in front of him, who was playing with him, Scott Hogan, out for two years on and off um, for great lengthy spells. I was at the game at Rotherham where the ligaments went and I'll never forget that sight of a, a ligament going and then a striker going down. Uh, the club, again, you've got to pull out some positives here. What Jimmy touched on before, uh, he, the guy was due for an island call-up to see him go out there and do it. Um, yeah, of course it's going to add value to a player. We've got to be brutal. That's the nature of the football world and the football village we live in. I was actually, I'm going to actually take some positives out of it. I'm just impressed with the club, personally, the way they stuck by those two players coming through. Back to Judgy as well, back to fitness, still getting that match time. I hear what Sav says about where does he fit into, his, into this team if he ever does. The, we, it's clear we're building something for the future, that the results are good, yeah, not quite perfect at the moment. But the reality is, seeing Judgy come on even for 10 minutes as a sort of impact, speedy player, no one can fault his commitment and his desire to play the game. And that's still, I think, as voracious as ever, which is good to see. All credit to the club. Yeah, all, all credit to the club and obviously all credit yeah. to the player for, yeah. for coming back. You know, we're, this, isn't, this isn't in any way undermining what he's achieved at Brentford, but we, yeah. we're, just, we're just saying it as it is, you yeah. know. It, we're at a crossroads uh, in, in contractual terms and, and career terms, what, what, you know, what do you think is the most likely scenario to happen like going forward? Well, judge, is a, judge is a tough one. I mean, he's, he's, he's done loads for us. It's been, he's, he will go down in folklore as you know, a player who was key in a, a real pivotal moment in our history, potentially. You know, sc- scored, scored the goal, goal that sent us up, up, I believe, yes. if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, you know, he's a brilliant player. And um, Savile, I remember that, when he broke his leg, he was trying so hard and he was so head and shoulders above the rest. We, we become a one-man team and it was detrimental. And ironically, after he got injured and left the squad, we put a run together. That probably wasn't a coincidence. That was probably taking him away from it and meant the team had to, you know, be a cohesive unit. But that's a bit of a side story, really. So he's back now and he's playing again. But we've got to be real, right? He's playing again. And he's signed another contract again to get fit here so we can be a springboard for a move. And when he comes on, he's as committed as ever. He wants to be involved. He wants to play. But we want to get rid of him. There's no doubt about it. In the summer, he'll be looking to go. So the, so the quandary is, the question is, like, do, we, do we invest pitch time, game time, on a player to try and bump his value up a little bit in the hope he's going to score a couple of goals, make a few assists, rediscover peak form for the end of the season and then get a, you know... Get the, the seagulls around the trawler to try and sort of uh, <laughs> to uh, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Brighton move. As a, as a, all right, you've, you've read between the lines. Thank you. Um, or do we, you know, do we really give the game time to the players that we're we've invested in for the future already? You know, Mark Andes, um I would say McLeod, but he's probably out for the season now. Um, he's, he's had his game for the year. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's, that's the question. He is injured. He, must be. He, 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 didn't, he didn't play last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, no, I, I, no, I think there's some really valid points there. You know, we, we, us putting our realistic hat, hat on. I think, you know, to, to, I, don't, I don't expect to see Alan Judge in a Brentfordshire after the summer. Um, you know, but let's see. You know, the directors of football and, and um, Dean Smith have got some kind of some quite important um, and interesting some decisions to be made for the rest of the season. You're right. You know, Marcondes is the one that probably should have the game time. He, he's been around. You know, we've we've got you know Chidozi Ekbonne that's kind of coming as well. He's not really got any game time at all. I'm not saying they're the same player, but if you if you're gonna if you're gonna make if you're gonna change your team around to introduce young talent, it's obviously got to be about with a view to next season rather than you know the past so yeah we're, let's see and you know and it, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing a bit more of Judgy before the summer and I, I hope you know I hope to see that <laughs> and you, know, you have to you have to remember right even with well, excuse the Brentford pun but there was such a buzz around him when he was in that run of form for getting injured Newcastle tried to sign him with, with you know two broken legs almost you know and that was that was where people were willing to go to try and get his get his service. He's a big talent, that fella, and he's proved that he's fit. So good on you, mate. You know that we're massive fans of the B team here at Beside, and they've done it again. They've only done it again. Not only have they beaten Manchester United, they've done Chelsea. Chelsea under twenty threes. They were turned over three nil this Wednesday. Just gone yesterday. Um, Rhys Cole, he scores when he wants. He got the third goal. Um, Chidozi Ogbeni and a friend beside. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, Rhys Cole. Sorry, yeah, no, they're all friends beside. And Alan, Alan Judge, um, three, three nil. Uh, you know, again, sort of like I'm kind of always kind of not trying to play it down, but you know, you kind of say, how can Brentford be? beat Man United how can they beat Chelsea and you think there must be something flawed with Chelsea or Man United but no there isn't the Brentford B team is playing some of the best football I've seen outside the A team of course um, Kev O'Connor is, is really getting them to play the, the, there's a there's a kind of is an ethos there's a style it's running through us it's coursing through the Brentford DNA um, you know, none of us went to the Chelsea game, but we saw enough probably from the from the Man United game to know it was more of the same. It, it's 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 brilliant to be experiencing this. Yeah, I think there's there's a a point of caution um, is that uh, it's international weekend. So um, I think with the Man United game, they had a lot of players who went on international break, uh, you know, playing playing with the international teams. They're part of, and uh, so did Chelsea. But having said that. So did we. We I think we had five of our um, B team out on um, on international duty. So um, that's you know that, that's, that's good for us. It shows that we are competing with these. And we we really t- thank you. We really turned over um, Man United. I mean we really did. And I suppose another another caution is that we had four what we call first team players in the game against Chelsea. We had Luke Daniels. We had uh, Alan Judge who scored. Um, um, yeah, uh, Chidozi Ogbeni, who's the first team player apparently because he's never played for the B team before yesterday, and um, as you say, Mark Ondes. So, uh, but um, as we know, players like Reese Cole and Westbrook and Edibor and all the, all the ones we saw against Man United were absolutely superb, and we played fantastic football. And the whole sort of B team concept is quite, we were just sort of chatting about it earlier. The B team concept is actually really quite interesting. I'm going to let Mark talk about that, but um, I think he's, he's got some views on the B team which we all agree with. 
Yeah, it's an interesting concept, the B team. Um, certainly from what was done by the club a couple of years ago with the, or a year or two ago, I can't remember the exact date, about the academy being well, disbanded, for, a, for want of a better phrase, and going to this particular system of uh, picking and choosing players for the B team that are, are clearly of, of great potential. And I note Sav's caution about in the, the game against Chelsea where a few first-team players allegedly bolstering up. But then what's really wrong with that? That just shows the quality of the, what these guys can mix with, you know, mix it up with. Um, if we get light in, a, in the A-team squad for injuries, what, what backup we've got there? Is, am I cheeky enough to say, are Man United and Chelsea coming down to test themselves against Brentford? Would that be too uh, big a leap? Who knows? But all credit to the B-team. That's what it's all about. You're judging on your results. Yeah, I don't think Brentford are doing anything different to how, how the teams used to do. You know, back in the day, they always used to call the B team the Stiffs. You know, it was it was people that were not quite good enough for you know not not, not in the shake up for not quite good enough is probably the wrong wrong expression. Not in the shake up for the A team. Um, people coming back from injury, um, all kinds. You know, it was an opportunity to to play a you know, always a strong team. Always, you know, you're not going to play a, a team of rubbish. But um, you know, we're not doing anything differently. To, to how it's always been and you know if you look at the players that we used it, it wasn't Ollie Watkins you know it was Alan Judge who's still short of minutes it, it was um, Chidozi Okbene who that was his first first competitive game for, for Brentford of any description that wasn't on the training grounds um, Tom Field and um, Reese Cole and you know they're you know, they're, they're decent players that are kind of just trying to show that they're worthy of a place on the bench and a place in the A-team. Well, you know, it's obvious that they are very, very close now. Jim? Um, I think it's quite... I think it's particularly poignant getting a win against Chelsea, right? Because the whole um, whole reason... Chelsea were probably pivotal in this reason that Benham decided to uh, um, go away from the academy's approach and go for the B-team. Because Chelsea, you know, they take all the talent up around this local area... You know, because London, Surrey, they all go to Chelsea because that's the best academy, and, and Chelsea can pick from other. They could, they could have picked players from Brentford's academy if they wanted to. So that's why we went for this model. So now to go and, and our beating to beat Chelsea is it's a real sort of like a, you know, it's, it's probably a notable result. Um, now good to see, um, obviously, good to see Judge play because you know, Ogbené sort of, you know, he'll get his chance to learn or he'll be schooled in our way of playing, which will hopefully mean. Realistically, at the start of next year, he'll be more of an option to play. But I, I, don't, I don't know loads about a friend of Poseidon Reese Cole on the pitch. I haven't seen him play too many times, but you read about the, you read about that lad all the time. You know what I mean, and I've seen the clips from scoring the goals. His name's coming up again and again and again. So I'm particularly interested. I mean, this, this has to be a path to the first team. So we're really busy. We're really busy in midfield at the moment. I do hope that they're, you know, trying to concentrate on this. So how do we find players? How do we find a way for him to make that make that break? Realistically, this season, it's petering out a bit for me. You know, maybe, maybe there are hopes of playoffs, but they're getting quite tough. I'd, I'd like to see maybe Cole get a, get get a game or two in the in the first team towards the end of the year. And more friends of Brentford. It's a difficult one, you know. Of all of all those players, you know, you know. Obviously, I know Reese. You know, we know Reese a bit, but he's, he's clearly an intelligent player. There's something about his personality that I think is 
like sums epitomises Brentford, if, if you know, for want of a better word. You know, he he he's kind of got a lot about him, um, and I, and I I, I want to see him, you know, play play more for us. You know, you talk about playoffs gone. I, I agree, they you know almost certainly have. It's almost like as well that we're we're kind of gonna. Not struggle, but it's almost like top ten is is actually going to be quite difficult for us. You know, we, we've got Bristol City and we've got um, Millwall ahead of us. Um, we've also got um, Sheffield United, who we're playing um, on Friday. Th- those those teams, they're they're trying to get cement their their top ten finish because you know whether, whether you think it's a you know is a, is a landmark or not, it blooming well is. You know, if, if this is our fourth consecutive year in in the top in the top ten, that is that is a Benchmark, and you know, I think we need to obviously keep going, play our strongest teams. It, what, you know, I'm not suggesting we wouldn't, you know what I mean? But um, you know, so I, I don't think we'll probably see much experimentation with the team until maybe you know two or two, maybe three games to go, where we we will know whether it's possible to do anything else. Then we might see Dean um, and the DOFs try and change things up a bit. Anyway, so. Let's look ahead. I think now to, to, to Sheffield United. We've got we've got a bank holiday fixture um, at Griffin Park on Friday. Um, so I'll have, I'll have a little twang, and then we'll come back with some Sheffield United memories and a little bit of Sheffield United expectations. So. It's Easter weekend. We have two games. We have one on Good Friday. We have one on Easter Monday. We are home to Sheffield United on Friday. And we have Bristol City away down at Ashton Gate on the Monday. So top and tailed with... Chocolate is top and tailed with football action. That's what we want. Um, Sheffield United, though. We've had some ding-dongs with them over the past... Well, in my lifetime, I'd say. We had a, a few barren years in between where we didn't play them very often because they were doing better things than we were, buying people like Bob Booker, etc. Um, but we're going to go around the table and talk about some Sheffield United memories, the Blades, whether at Bramwell Lane or Griffin Park. My one of my it's my second season. It was my my first my first ever Sheffield United experience was was in 1979. I'm, I'm kind of giving my age away a bit there. And um, Sheffield United coming down to Griffin Park was actually quite a big thing. It was, I think it was first, first versus second, I believe, that night. And Alex Sabella, who was playing for Sheffield United at the time, um, we, it was the year after the Argentinian World Cup, so Tottenham had, had got Ricardo, Ricardo Villa and Ozzy Ardiles, and there was a bit of, bit of not, I wouldn't say an influx of Argentinian talent, but Alex Sabella was picked up by Sheffield United, and he, and he was, he was a bit of a name. So it was, a, it was a big night under the Griffin Park floodlights, and although they won the game, it was a real ding dong. Um, Mickey Spate. Um, and Doug Alder, I believe, were both sent off in that game for having a fight, a proper bare-knuckle fist fight that spilled over into the dugouts. Um, Bill Dodgin was, was still there at the time, and it, it, it properly kicked off. You know, you know, sometimes you see a fight on the pitch, and it's like a bit like, Whoa, but this was, this was actually, you know, this was proper toe-to-toe, <laughs> Queensby rules and all that. And uh, so, yeah, so, so that, was, that was a bit, bit feisty. And 
there was there was some there were some issues. Let's say there were some crowd issues after the game, <laughs> and um, I, I think someone actually lost their life that night. I, I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I think it was. I don't think it was involved in the the actual, you know, crowd trouble. But there was. It was kind of. I think in the newspapers around the time it was linked to. I don't think it was ever proven or whatever. But um, but Brentford went up to Bramall Lane shortly after that, and we we turned them over. So um, we didn't go up that season. You will not be surprised. But for me, um, that Sheffield United game was probably my... I think it was my first real massive game under the floodlights. I can actually still smell... It's like this nostalgia, the smell of the Raljex. But it, I, I could, I, you, you could smell it. Everyone, all the players wore it. And you, you know when you're that close to the pitch, you, 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 you would get a waft of it. Whether it was Aramis or Givenchy, it was it was Raljex that night. So yeah, so my my first experience of Sheffield United wasn't the happiest, but it was probably one of the most nostalgic for me. Hands up, who wants to be next? Jimmy. Jimmy was first. First, he's a very eager beaver. Sheffield United, tell tell us about your most memorable recollections. Well, I'm 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 eager because it was such a game. What what. Probably, let me think now, 2013, it was the year which uh, uh, ended in playoff failure. Against We're going Jovo. way back. We're going way back, almost three or four years here. Five years, maybe. Um, and the game started with, I think, I think we laid on, it was an evening kickoff, maybe Tuesday evening. We were in the run-in, maybe April. And three coaches, if I remember. Not Round one, two, three. I mean, three gratis laid on by uh, Sir Matthew. And we all got up there. We dropped us kindly outside a pub. We had one or two beforehand. And as you walk in the ground, Jessica Ennis is on the halfway line uh, making the speech because the, the stand that I think we were in must be unveiled as a Jessica Ennis stand um, before she withdrew it due to uh, Chet Evans' issues. And, and w- uh, a more topsy-turvy game you couldn't have wished for. I think we, I think we took the lead. Marcello trot a penalty, I'm not mistaken. And then almost every player on the pitch got sent off. Almost every player on the pitch missed a penalty. Is that, um, is that an exaggeration? Um, <laughs> I don't think so. I think maybe one or two stayed on, and, I, and the ones that did stay on missed three penalties. Versus three. It was three versus three. Jumpers for goalposts. Um, it was, it was, Rush yeah, goalie. Rush goalie. So but that one goes down how, in folklore. How it ended, we were, it was two, we were two one down. We had nine, we, let's be honest now, we had nine men, they had ten. And I think the last minute we had no right to, but we equalised with Bradley Wright Phillips, I think, in his most notable moment for Brentford. But. The fans went crazy. We were, we were back in the mix. We could have gone up. You know, we were, we were right in it. Two or three games to go. What I also remember very clearly from that game was the oldest bit of football hooliganism afterwards ever. So afterwards, there's both fans are both fans are, are you know pretty rowdy um, after you know both. It's a high octane game. Everyone's blood pressure's going through the roof. And afterwards, there's a guy walking down down the terrace by the coach's Sheffield United fan. He's got a walking stick and he's gobbing off and. Probably thinking he's 90 years old, he's exempt. <laughs> Another geezer who's probably about, I'm not going to name him, but he's probably about 60, 65. The young whippersnapper. <laughs> in, young whippersnapper, in comparison, puts the old guy down and then then starts grabs his walking stick and, and he's going to hit the 90-year-old hit the guy on the deck with his own walking stick and someone had to step in. It was, it was a brutal <laughs> evening. Uh, old school, but uh, one for the ages. It, it, so, it sounds like a scene out of uh, the Holy Grail. 
you know, where they like, oh, it's, it's only a, for, for, it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. It definitely wasn't one from the Holy Bible. <laughs> no. Okay, that was an interesting Same evening. The, the Old yeah. Testament, uh, the very Old Testament. The, uh, the, the floodlight seems to bring the worst out in uh, in people. The the the, the rustic. I'll, I'll bring up a game uh, uh, a season before that in 2012, and uh, it, it, it goes back to what you said about. Uh, your introduction Dave about how we hadn't played Sheffield United for so long because they were doing bigger and better things but when they came came down to old Tim Pop Brentford's level uh, pub, team. It, pub team indeed pub team uh, we beat them 2-0 at home on, on a Wee. November Saturday which was which was always good to see a, a straightforward game if I remember rightly bread and butter bread and butter as we say in the day before our Championship uh, winning season next season, if I'm not mistaken, and I know Savile have something to say about was that, that as well. The, um, David, when David Weir was manager? No, no, I don't think it was. When, no. when, when, when did that happen? Was that, was that your game? Yeah. Ah, ah, knowledge. But there you go. Um, but yeah, no, even at the time, you look at some of the squad players we were playing there Marcello Trotter, Harry Forrester, um, Tony Craig. But then, and even uh, look who had a goal at the time, which always uh, brings a a smile to my face. uh, Simon Moore, and uh, it just shows. Liam and Simon, Liam and Simon, Moore, Moore, Liam and Simon, Liam and Simon. Fond memories, but it just showed up even that year before before. They came to us, we went up to them to the game that Jimmy's just described, but I know Sav's going to add to that anyway. But yeah, fond memories of Sheffield United. Uh, we'll talk about what we predict shortly, but uh, Sav? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to take you to that. Uh, that game. It's actually the first home game after the Yeovil playoff final. Never happened. Uh, which, might, which might account for the, the rather crappy attendance of 7,300. Mm, and, and, si- and 16. I was one of those. <laughs> you just fucked um, that from your memory. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, I'll never for, I will never forget that, that 7,316. Uh, yeah, so it was the 10th of August 2013. So this was... Uh, this was the, the year. Home game of the season. Uh, yes, and this the first time game of the season. This was the year we went up. So Uve was still in charge, and having look looking looking at the team and the subs, you you probably be surprised because this is almost five years ago. There is one player, one player that is still with us. Any guesses? Ooh. I'm going to go for. Oh, you put him right on the spot here. I'm going to say, um, Ogbeni. No, is it Harley Dean? Harley Dean. Bloody idiots. Okay. Not with us? <laughs> right. Harley Dean was with us, but he's not with us anymore. Oh, has he got, where did he go? Kevin O'Connor. So, where did he go? Where did, where did Harley Kevin go? O'Connor is not on the playing staff anymore. I will tell you it's Jack Bonham. Jack. Oh, so Jack, Jack, Bonham, Jack Bonham was on the bench. Uh, David Button was playing. You win the quiz, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, but what was amazing about this game is uh, um, Laney sort of mentioned David Weir. This was David Weir's first um, managerial job. And he was told, or he decided, that he wanted Sheffield United to play football. To play on the ground, to build from the back, which is what we'd been doing uh, under, under sort of Benham's tutorage um, uh, for a couple of years. So we were way ahead of them. We had quite a, quite a good team of people like Forshaw, Bidwell, Craig, uh, uh, Donaldson up front uh, with uh, Will Grigg. So we had, we had players that could play. And uh, and it was it was a 
uh, Will Griggs really sort of most famous game really for Brentford where he scored two goals and missed the penalty we won 3-1 and uh, they, Sheffield United had some some fellow I've never heard of called Harry Maguire in defence and we had uh, Harley Dean I don't know what's happened to either of those two players uh, but uh, it's, all, it's all looking good um, Sav, I, I, I notice I noticed on the on the Brentford substitutes that um, uh, Martin Philo was 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 a substitute for Brentford. I thought he was he, he could have been quite a good player, but a lot of people said he was a bit flaky. So there you have it. So th- there there you have it. Um, that was the the Brentford Sheffield roundup there. Um, so we've also we've also got another game on on Easter Monday, which is Bristol City. We have to say, uh, Sheffield United and Bristol both had really solid seasons this year. Look where they are on the table, yeah. Sheffield United falling away. They were tipped for promotion. They're they're, they're not going to get promoted this year, but you know they're they're going to finish actually lower than we did in our first season in uh, this flight. Um, but again, fair fair play. He's, he's you know what Sheffield United have, have you know they they put they put that that club back on back on the map. Um, and then we've obviously we've obviously got Bristol City who are sitting in seventh place. They're 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 six and seven points ahead of us. Well, sorry, sorry, four and five points ahead of us. We we need to try and push for that top ten place. Millwall are sitting there at the moment. It's, it's it's hard to see you know it's hard to see them blowing out. They they seem to be on a, a little bit of a roll, but. Two, two two games in in four days over a bank holiday. We've got we'll have all our players back. How do you see these these two games panning out? We're also going to do the alternative guide to Bristol in a minute, but let's, let's do the predictions first this week. It's a good point. Again, looking at the table, these these teams have kicked on this season, and you can see their intent. Certainly, Bristol City's. But let's go back to score predictions. Uh, uh, we've got some Sheffield United friends coming down on Friday who no doubt will completely disagree with me. But I think even the reality for us, we're not going to make those playoff spots. I, you know, Hart says, I hope we do, but the reality is we didn't pick anything up in the last three games. I would have needed to see something there for us to have that push. Sheffield United are a tidy unit. I'm going to go 2-1 Brentford because we've got the home advantage. That's against Sheffield. That's against Sheffield, yeah. And Bristol City... I'm going to be brutally honest, even if we take a point away from there, I'll be over the moon. But I think they'll do us about 2-0. I think they're a well-organised unit and they want to improve on that seventh place to guarantee their playoff spot without a doubt. That's my prediction. 2-1 Sheffield United, 2-0 Bristol City. We've got a win-lose from the Ristic. Sav, two games, two predictions please. Okay, I think I'm a bit more positive. Uh, I think I'm going to go for a, a win against Sheffield United because uh, I think we are probably a better team than Sheffield United. And as we know, that really bad start that we had in terms of collecting points, uh, although the performances were decent, um, I think that's the difference. Uh, I think we would be ahead of them uh, otherwise. And I think we're good enough at home with, with all our players to, to win that game 2-0, I'm going for. I think Bristol City would be a bit tougher because we're away from home. They've still got a very, very good chance of uh, getting into the playoffs. They're really, they're really, they're, I mean, so Sheffield United to be fair, but, but I think Bristol City have probably got a bit more chance. And I think, but I still think we can get a draw there. I think we. Oh, so you're only one point better, 
Well, I think uh, four, four points is uh, is better than three. But I th- yeah, yeah. But he, he said we were going to lose six 0 to Bristol City, and we're not. Well, he's, he's a bit down in the dumps for being fifty. So he's he's, he's going to. We kept all sharp implements away from him this evening. He's got plastic glasses and everything. He's kept him away from the plug sockets as well. He was trying to put his tongue in a plug socket earlier. So he's, he's, technology. Technology. Jim, two predictions, please. Well, I was um, I was um, a little bit down on, on the luck of playoff chances earlier on, but I've had I've had a few pints now, and I'm daring to dream. So on Friday, I genuinely think we're going to beat Sheffield United. I think we're going to do them. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think we'll do it two-one. And I think Bristol City, who go away to scrapping Barnsley, are going to have a defeat in their hands. All of a sudden, Monday becomes a big game, doesn't it? If we get a win against Bristol City, we are only a point behind them and we are right back in the mix we're going to go to Bristol City we're all guns blazing we've got Judge we've got Mark Hondes we've got all the other guys left right and centre they're going to be panicking there's going to be goals in that game I reckon we're going to nick it maybe 3-2 maybe 4-2 might be a red card all of a sudden we're right up there yeah. Jim, Jim, you, you seem to have introduced a, a, like a, an element of jeopardy to this. Now, I feel I feel a bit I feel a bit scared all of a sudden. I was I was approaching these two games just kind of a, a bit relaxed, really. You know, Good Friday. We haven't had a bad Good Friday, have we? They've all, all good Good Fridays are always good for us for, for, until until the, the last bad one. We've they've all been good, and um, so I, I I think we will beat. Sheffield United with the full house on the Sheffield United and I'm I'm, 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 a, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit edgy now oh, about Bristol you, you pumped me right up which reminds me of, um, <laughs> yeah. of, a, of a, a YouTube video yeah, enough, enough. Okay, sorry sorry no 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 no, no. go back to my back to my cog- cognitive cognitive therapy cognitive therapy so yeah anyway I'm back on track um, so yeah so yeah good good Monday East of East of East of Friday, Good Monday, and um, I think we're going to go to Bristol and win. So we've you've noticed you've noticed this that we've gone from doom and gloom <laughs> over there, old blooming yeah, Mogadon Mark. <laughs> then we've gone over to a slightly upbeat Sav, Jeopardy Jim, and and very very. Very pumped up Dave. Easily led Dave. Easily led, yeah. <laughs> gullible Dave. Gullible Dave. From now on, I am now as gullible Dave. So, apart from the game in Bristol, is there anything else to do, do you reckon? You know, this obviously it's a lovely city. Um, you know, we, we go there early to avoid the um, rail chaos. Uh, <laughs> There's other things to do in the city, Mark. You know that. You know. Come on. You, you must. You must want to share some information with that with our with our listeners. Oh, there's absolutely plenty to do in the city as well. But I'm going to look slightly further afield. Oh, uh, Bristol's got a lot of good sites to offer, without a doubt. I know the guys have probably mentioned some things that are particularly going to interest them. That I've got no doubt that they will visit before the match, and possibly after, to you know get their selfies and whatever they want to do. But I'm more interested in the sights and sounds around, and one particular attraction and to me, and the smells indeed. And one particular attraction about 15 miles outside of Bristol is Cheddar Gorge, if I'm not mistaken. And as people well know, that often on an away day, which I frequent many of with the Bizotti crew and the football team and all manner of matches, I do like my cheese. 
and let's hope that there's a village like Jacob's Crackers nearby and something like that. Uh, I'm sure Baby Belby will join us. It, oh, God, it, it would be brilliant if we could visit all of that and get it in before the match. You know, cheddar is almost... It's the, it's the cathedral of cheese, really. But, and there actually is a cathedral cheddar, is, is there not? There is indeed. Uh, other, there is indeed. Other, other brands of probably cheddar Bristol, are, are probably available. And now you're 50, it's, it's mature, che- mature cheddar advice. It's a bit like you. Sav, what's on your alternative to-do list? Okay, well, you can't get more alternative than the Arnolfini Gallery. Yes. Oh, it's, always, uh, always, yeah, yeah. always what it's um, it's, it's on side, so it's that nice little bit in the centre of town where, where you get the little harbour and stuff. It's very trendy around there. It's beside the harbour. It's beside the harbour, yeah. It's harbourside, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's a bit gentrified, but it's a very nice... It reminds me a lot of uh, Camden Arts Centre. I used to live near Camden Arts Centre, and I used to go there very regularly because they do fantastic coffee. So it's always good to have a good coffee bar in these galleries. But it's also completely what we call sort of modern sort of kind of gallery that does installations. And I think um, last time I went there, they did these kind of radios that ran on typewriting stuff. So they had keyboards and you'd sort of type on the keyboard. <laughs> sound effects there from Jim. Yeah. <laughs> You type on a keyboard and it would set the radio off in different ways. So you could almost play a radio. It's the kind of installation thing that I really like and it was completely bonkers. But the coffee's superb and I would recommend to go to the Arno Fini on Harbourside. I'm going. Do they sell cheese? Uh, uh, Sav, I, I need to ask you this question. Have you ever listened to this feature before? Because that is actually sounds really interesting. And it's like, it sounds like a serious recommendation to someone that's going to Bristol. Like, you know... This, this isn't what this slot is actually about, to be honest with you. Uh, well, I think 95% of Benford fans will think I'm, it's fucking terrible <laughs> because it's, it's a pretty weird place and like lots of these modern galleries, they are probably weird. But it's the sort of thing that I absolutely love. Do they exhibit cheese at all, Sav? Uh, they probably exhibit cheese in very strange ways. Well, the last time I recommended um, anything was um, for an owl reserve... And um, I, was, I, I was shocked and I was taken aback that uh, Phil Perkins um, sent me a picture on match day with him at the Owl Reserve with a barn owl on his head. So people do listen to this shit. And, um, and, and there's nothing that cheered me up more pre-match than, than Phil with an owl on his head. Um, Jimmy, pre, pre-match, where are you going, mate? Well, from, um, from a previous experience of being in Bristol on a very high-end stag do, um, we went to, and therefore I would recommend you also, attend the Bristol inflatable reenaction of the famous 80s TV show, maybe 70s, It's a Knockout. There is a, just on the outside of Bristol, there is a, a large field where they have all the old uh, bits of kit there, and you and your group of friends um, of any age can take part in all the old activities and have all sorts of fun. However, a word of caution, uh, especially to the ladies, 
if Stuart Hall is there commentating, please uh, do no, not no, stick no, 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 that's us. No, my, my, my cognitive therapy also kicks in with, with yeah, trigger, trigger words, trigger words. Um, is it the, I, I assume it was just the It's a Knockout, it was not the European one, we, we've probably pulled out of that, the old Jus en Frontier, Games Without Frontiers, War Without Tears. Thank you. Well, it's just on, on the weekend of the first ever heavyweight unification fight in England. Okay. I thought it's a knockout would be a particularly appropriate activity. Oh, yeah. Well, mine's got a slightly Brexit theme as well, funny enough. Uh, the SX Great Britain is um, moored in, in Bristol. Um, in fact, it's, it's anchored so tight that there's no freedom of movement. So I, I, won't, be, I won't be going there. But where I will be going is the, um, the Clifton Suspension Bridge. It's a, it's a magnificent erection. And um, it was built in 1836 by Isambard Kingdom Brunel, which you, you probably do know. It spans 702 feet. Um, but controversially, was renamed in 1978 after Bernie Clifton. And um, it's, it's, you, to, to, to actually to cross the bridge now on foot, you have to... Go as an ostrich. You have to you have to put your legs into a fake ostrich to go across it. It's a be- it's a beautiful span, but it's it, it's it's still mired in controversy. There is actually a very similar uh, bridge to the Clifton Suspension Bridge in um, Denver in the USA. Oh yeah. Um, over one of the one of the, um, one of the one of the creeks there, and often when I put the two together. I failed to spot the clifference. So there you have it. So you, I'm sure today you've um, really enjoyed um, the besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're we're in the um, the Prince Belusia still. They've not thrown us out. We've not we've not been we've not been hung or anything. Um, and so we've got we've got six points up for grabs. It is a it's a it's a big kind of almost it's pre end of season. It's very very pre. Yes closed season podcast so what do we do at this time of the day we normally bang things and we will say come on you bees Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.